0: Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right. That was a, I learned what a palooza is today. I have never known. I, I'm assuming Jacob came up with that on the top of his head. That's uh, <laughs> Good. Hey, uh, glad all of you are here today. My name is Fritz Bilo. I'm one of the pastors here at Lighthouse Community. So glad uh, every one of you are here in the house and welcome to all of our guests. And then also want to welcome all of our locations, Bluffton community, our crew in Fostoria, our online campus. Uh, and then also you might be checking this out later in the week, and uh, we look forward to meeting you uh, one day here uh, in the house or one of our locations as well. So thanks for being here today. Now, I wanted to give a quick update on behalf of our elder team uh, that everybody kind of was aware, knew what was going on, um, about our expansion plans. And so I'm happy to announce today uh, that Lighthouse Community, our family of churches, is now the owner of 10.7 acres on County Road 99, just off 75. Yeah! (laughs) We are so excited about that. It really... Seems like God is in this, uh, moving us uh, in this direction, and we just want to stay in step with him, so uh, we're very jazzed about that. I want to say thank you to all of the different people who have been involved uh, in the process to get us to this place, but I also want to say thank you to our entire church family uh, for your vision, to help people say yes to Jesus Christ uh, in Hancock County and the whole region, and I want to say thank you for your generosity. Um, Just God has been using that remarkably, and so on behalf of the elder team, um, thank you, thank you, thank you, and we are very, very excited, and so I want to invite you to uh, a special gathering on Sunday, November 7th. Uh, It's going to be just kind of a celebration day for us um, where we're going to gather together on that property um, and just Thank God and dedicate that and and all of those things. So if you want more information about that celebration day, that's actually on the back of your blue connection card that uh, Pastor Matt um, was talking about earlier. And so just check that box and we'll send you all the info that you will want for that celebration. We're so excited uh, for God's leadership and his faithfulness along the way. So uh, I was a youth pastor for about the first eight years that I was in uh, starting out my career in ministry, and in youth ministry, you will meet all kinds of kids, uh, right? And so uh, some students I really connected with, and, and we built a really tight friendship. Others, um, you know, just because of the size, you trust your leaders to know them and to get to, you know, and connect with them. And then there's Scott. <laughs> and so, oh, you've met some Scots. Uh, <laughs> and so, Scott um, was a kid who came to our youth group, and Scott was unique. Um, Scott, uh, to be just to be blunt, um, he annoyed me. Right? I'm, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be straight out with you. Um, he said, and he did things that were kind of out of place. He asked. Questions at really inappropriate times, uh, sometimes he was he was funny, but I was early enough in my ministry career that I just I took myself way too seriously and, and i couldn 't see past uh, some of those things and so Scott and I just didn 't really connect for a little while and and One night, uh, Scott needed a ride home after group, and so I agreed to take Scott home and This is one of the first times that he and I were able to just connect one-on-one. And so uh, taking him home, Scott talked and I listened, and as Scott talked, I found out that Scott lived with his grandma, who took care of him, uh, even though his mom lived just a couple houses uh, down the road. Um, She wasn't able to take care of him. Um, I learned that even at home, Scott was largely ignored. Um, I learned that Scott really didn't have much relationship with his dad. Um, I learned that Scott wasn't really sure If anybody even cared about him. And so I'm surprised that I was able to see over the steering wheel as I was driving because I felt about that big as Scott is sharing his life with me on that drive home. And in that moment, uh, I just remember my heart being drawn to Scott. I began to see Scott in a a totally different way. Um, He is not the kid I knew before that ride home. Um, And so um, I began to pray for Scott regularly. I began to seek Scott out um, on group nights. Um, I Actually, it got to the place I started to enjoy being with Scott. And spending time with him. Uh, Even after Christina and I moved to uh, another city to work with a different uh, ministry, uh, I kept in touch with Scott and I would check in with him and uh, see how he was doing and what was going on in his life. And uh, by getting close to Scott, my eyes were opened up to who he really was. I want you to do me a favor. Uh, Look at somebody next to you and say the word close. If you're online, type in the chat, type close. Good. The closer that you get, and some of you guys, you're too close, you need to move down, right? <laughs> you can add that in if you need to. But, but the closer that you get to people, you begin to really see them, right? And you begin to see the person far more than simply the behavior. When you get close to people, things like stats aren't just stats anymore, Right? Stats become people. And so things like the 10.8% poverty level that exists in Hancock County, those are actually people we know, that you know, right? We connect with, we love them. Uh, The 30% of kids in Hancock County who are raised in single parent households, those our kids, those are families you know, that we know, right? Um, the 5.5% who battle uh, substance abuse in our county, these, these are friends, these are family members, these, right? Those aren't stats, those are, these are people, right? People we know, people that we love. And all across our county, there are people who are facing battles, some which we have no clue about, whatsoever. We don't even get and understand the battle that they're facing because they're able to kind of keep it behind closed doors a little bit, right? They're battling things like divorce. They're battling things like abuse. They're battling things like anxiety or depression. They're battling addictions to pornography. They're battling isolation, right? All of these things. And and what is less helpful are uh, truth bombs that get launched from afar, right? To like blow them up in their situation and tell them to get their stuff together, right? That's less helpful. And what people are really longing for is they're really hoping somebody's gonna show up and somebody's gonna be present and somebody would risk enough to get close, right? That's, that's my own story, right? That's my own story. Uh, as I think about it um, and started to take myself less seriously, uh, I realized that uh, Scott and I were not entirely different people. Actually, we were probably more similar than we were different, right? So I was raised um, in a broken family. My parents were divorced when I was young. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, I uh, smelled like cigarette smoke all the time. Um, I, uh, Officer Ralph Edmonds, and I were uh, knew each other very well uh, in the city of Port Clinton, um, and I didn't make the greatest decisions. But because one of my friends and his family got close to me, because they allowed me to get close to them, I met Jesus Christ. Right, and meeting Jesus Christ has radically transformed my life right i am not who i was and i am not who i would be without him right like he has been the defining mark why how did things like that happen well in my instance it's because some christians let a kid get close to them who his only reference point for Jesus Christ is what you yelled out when you hit your finger with a hammer, right? That's all I knew. I didn't know anything about Jesus or God or any of those things. And so this family got close to me. They allowed me to get close to them. And God used that remarkably. God uses our closeness to others. And so as Jacob mentioned, I do want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, or you can click over there on your device. We are kicking off a brand new series today called All In, uh, Saying Yes to Jesus. And so what we're going to be doing is for the next five weeks, we're really diving into the mission, we're diving into the vision, we're diving into the values of Lighthouse Community, and why this phrase, we say yes to Jesus, is so central to who we are As a family. And so I want to start right here in uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 35. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, but you can follow along with what you have. And it says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." Now, here's the first first truth that comes out really clear in the scripture, it's this. Jesus was present. You got, you got to catch this, uh, especially in this passage, but throughout all the Gospels, right? Jesus was present. He was in the cities, He was in the villages, He was in the synagogues. Jesus was with. People, right? He wasn't studying the effects of disease and affliction or sin, you know, uh, in a, some classroom or laboratory far away. Like Jesus was right there, looking into the eyes of people who were struggling under the weight of their affliction, of their suffering, right? Jesus held the hands of people trying to catch their breath from a cough that would not subside or go away, right? Like Jesus was present with people. But isn't that the hallmark of who he is, right? Isn't that the hallmark of who God is? This is like the fingerprint of his ministry. Think about this, right? God the Almighty, stepped down from his throne and entered into our world. God chose to be present, right? That's, that's John chapter one, verse 14, right? If you've read that verse before, it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's another version that says the word moved in to our neighborhood and lived with us. Right? This is who God is. God is a God of being present. God is a God of being with us. And he takes it a step further by entering into our world, by entering into our flesh. And look what happened when God the Son was present. Right? In verse 36, it says that Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion. Now, this word compassion is interesting because the root word for this compassion literally means gut or intestines, right? Like, that's the centerpiece of this word compassion. I actually love the way that the King James Version uh, translate this word's compassion in uh, Colossians. This is the way it's translated, that uh, you would have bowels of mercy, right? <laughs> I love that, right? That you would put on bowels of mercy. Uh, that's compassion. That's so compassion. So this idea is that Jesus' care and Jesus' concern comes from the very core of who he is. His love comes from the center of his being. It's not some far-off, removed, philosophical idea. It comes from who he is, right? That he loves us so much that he was present. And I think it begs the question, so, so did God not have compassion before Jesus entered into our world and took on flesh? Is that the case? No. <laughs> that's, that's why he came. He, he entered because he, he's always had compassion. He's always loved us. He's always has concern. He's always, God has always had bowels of mercy for you, right, from day one. But he comes, and now we see his compassion front and center, and you can't miss it. And you begin to see that one of the things that closeness does is closeness and proximity begins to breed compassion, right? It begins to to breed compassion. Concern and care wells up with that. And so I think another question is, well, what stoked the bowels of mercy for Jesus, well, it's, it's right there in verse 36, right? It says the fact that people were harassed and helpless. And it says, right, Matthew says this. It's, it's kind of the same way that sheep who don't have a shepherd to care for them are harassed and helpless, right? They can't help themselves. They can't take care of themselves. They're under constant harassment. So the question then becomes this. Well, where are the shepherds? If the sheep are harassed and helpless, where are the shepherds? Well, the shepherds were absent, all right? The shepherds were absent, and the shepherds were religious leaders in Jesus' time like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, the name Pharisee literally means this, the separated ones. That's literally what that name and that title means, the separated ones. That's how they referred to themselves. And these are supposed to be the shepherds of their time, right? And so these Pharisees, these separated ones, had actually turned the Bible into this complex religious system that separated right? Kept people at bay rather than invited them in and healed them and brought healing to them, right? And so the Pharisees would stiff-arm anyone who didn't hold to their rules. They'd stiff-arm anyone that didn't meet their standards, and so that meant the ill, that meant the disabled, that meant the poor, that meant the tax collectors, that meant whoever they declared as a sinner is now on the outs, and they're not allowed to be In and a part of this thing and so anyone who didn't bow to their authority or the way that they understood the scriptures in their system were actually excluded from places like the synagogue which is the primary place you talk about scripture and you pray they would be excluded from temple which is the primary place you worship and you would travel to jerusalem at the very least once a year to go and worship, and even in cases, you see that the Pharisees excluded people from community, right? They're actually ostracized. They were, nobody was allowed to talk to them. No one was allowed to help them. No one was allowed to be seen present with them, right? This is what the shepherds were doing, right? The shepherds were absent, The shepherds did not have compassion. And so Jesus looks on this and sees that the sheep have no shepherds. There's no one to care for them. There's no one to comfort them. There's no one to provide for them. There's no one to protect them. There's no one, like the very leader who's supposed to point people to hope in God were the very people who are keeping people out of the kingdom of God. You see how crazy that is? Like that's what's going on in this time and in this season. And so the shepherds were absent, but Jesus was present, right? He shows up, and he's there in the midst. And look at how Jesus coached his disciples in real time. Verse 37 says this, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so Jesus was using this farming analogy uh, to explain to them what's going on. And so basically what Jesus says is this, hey, you, you know when it's harvest time and like Everybody's out working from sun up to sundown and you're just working and you're working and, and it almost seems like no matter how much you work, you're really not getting anything done, and you don't know if you're ever gonna get this work done, this job done, right? Jesus says that's kind of what it's like in gospel work. That's what it's like to be out sharing the gospel. There's all of this need. There's all of this illness. There's all this disability, there's all this poverty, there's all this sin that's separating people from God, there's all this death, right? There's demon possession, there's this fake religion that's out there, right? It's overwhelming. And you look at all of it and you're like, if nobody could, how, do you, how are you supposed to do this? And Jesus says, then to compound on that, there aren't that many disciples who are out in the harvest, in the fields doing that work, who are pointing people to their greatest hope. And so what he's saying to his disciples is this, listen, you're going to feel overwhelmed sometimes. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're out on your own. Sometimes you're going to feel like what you're doing is making no discernible difference at all, and why should I even keep plugging away? Jesus says, expect to feel like that. And when you do, and even before you do, here's what I want you to do pray. I want you to pray. And you're gonna to pray to the Lord of the harvest, and you're gonna ask him to send his workers out into his fields. Okay, I want you to notice that. God says, or Jesus says, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send his workers. Into his fields. Now, this word "send" is really interesting because I think when when I think of the word "send" on its own, I think about sending an email. I think it right. It's just like you click and whoop, it goes. Don't you miss the days when your computer like you've got mail? All right, like (laughs) that was, you know. Maybe not. Anyways, uh, so um, yeah, or like you know, you send this letter and you're like goodbye letter, and and it goes unless it gets to FedEx. Uh, okay, uh, sorry. Um, sorry if you were for. <laughs> it's been living right here. I had to get it out, um, but. So, but this idea of send is is so much more than just fluttering things off. Uh, actually, right? It's this idea of kind of forcefulness. Uh, the uh, the amplified classic version actually catches the tenor of this word send really well. So let's do this. Let's actually read Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-eight, uh, out loud, starting with uh, "So pray." Are you ready? Go. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to force out and thrust laborers into his harvest. That's actually the better rendition of that word, send. You see how different that is? This isn't like patting somebody on the head and, going, okay, go, go now. No, there's like, this is, this is the mom who's had kids in her face all day, and she's like, get out of the house. You can't, you, I don't care what you do, but you can't do it in here, right? It's like, get outside and go play. And so, like, this is, Jesus says, here's what you do. You actually pray, and you ask God to pick, like, collect some of his disciples, pick them up, look at them lovingly, and then throw them, right? Like, out into his fields to get to work. What's amazing is you actually see this verse get played out exactly in Acts chapter 8, okay? Um, What happened is, before then, so the disciples are sharing the gospel, cool things are happening in Jerusalem, and they all get really comfortable in Jerusalem, enjoying each other's favor, and things are going really well, and they're just bebopping along there. But there was a mission that Jesus gave before he ascended to the Father. Do you remember what the mission is? He says, go. Yeah, he says, go, go. Make disciples. You're going to make disciples in Jerusalem. They did that. And you're going to make disciples in Judea. And you're going to make disciples in Samaria. And you're going to make disciples to the ends of the earth, right? It's like, and so the disciples and the apostles got as far as Jerusalem. And they're like, this is nice. You know, I see what happens when the kingdom shows up. This is so cool. And they hung out there. And so God thrust them out. It actually takes place in Acts chapter 8 verse 1. It says this, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And look what happened. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. I love this note. Except the apostles. <laughs> I don't know what was all behind that. I'd love to talk more about that this morning, but we don't have time. But so you have the disciples are hanging out in Jerusalem. And so what does God do? He sends out his workers into his field. And it just begs the question for me, like, who was praying? Like, who was praying? Like, was, was, it, uh, was it Stephen actually before? Like he was martyred? Was he the one that was praying for God? Was it, was it some of the apostles who remembered the moment in Matthew 9 when Jesus said, uh, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out, and they were the ones who started praying? And who prayed that caused God to thrust out his disciples? But, but here's the thing. When the shepherds are absent from the sheep, when the workers are not in the fields, the Lord of the harvest will thrust out his disciples into his field. That's how that plays out. It's the way that it works, right? He'll send his people into his field so that his disciples will be present. And so Jesus drew close to us, right? Right? Jesus drew close to us. Jesus drew close to our sin. Actually, Jesus drew so close to our sin that he actually stepped into our place. Did you know that? He actually stepped into our place. He took on ownership of our sin. In fact, Jesus took on the identity as an enemy of God so that the true enemies, me, you, could have the opportunity To take on the identity as God's favorite child. That's that's how close Jesus has gotten to you and me, right? He drew so close. Uh, Dane Ortland, who's a pastor in Illinois, wrote this. He says, When Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, right, all around him, his deepest impulse, his natural instinct is to move toward that sin it's to move toward that suffering and not away from it you see that's what that's the gospel that's what Jesus has done he's drawn close he didn't right he wasn't one of the separated ones he wasn't a shepherd who was absent he was the true shepherd who showed up and came to the brokenness he came to the sinfulness he came to the hurt and so now, because Jesus has drawn close to us by faith, you and I can actually draw close to him, and we can begin to draw close to one another so that we can share the gospel with compassion as well. And so what Jesus does, right, very clear, he invites us to pray for each other to go, to be thrust out in our communities, and so I want to I give you some encouragement. I'm praying for you. Yeah, there you go. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you uh, to be sent. And I'm hoping that you're praying for me to be sent as well, right? Because when we go, we end up getting close to each other. And when we get close to each other, people become people instead of problems to be solved. And it's no longer us versus them, right? We just become inviters, We just become inviters, inviting people to to know this Father that we know, to experience by faith this goodness that Christ has given to us. When we get close, God opens the door for us to share the gospel with compassion. So here's the thought what if every day, what if every day you and I ask God to send disciples into your school? What if you and I ask God to send disciples into your workplace? If we ask God to send disciples into your neighborhood, we ask God to send disciples to the places where you shop, into your family members' pathways. What if we prayed for God to move in the hearts of disciples to be present and to be ready to share the gospel with compassion? Do you think that would happen? Do you think if we began to pray for that consistently, do you think that would happen? Do you think God would move the hearts of other disciples to go? Do you think God would move the heart of the disciple who's praying? And you would be the one to be sent? And I would be the one to be thrust out into the fields? Because did you know that's exactly what happens between Matthew chapter 9 and 10? That's, exact, that's one of the things I really don't like about chapters, and I definitely don't like the subtitles that are on the top of them because it creates separation, where many times separation shouldn't be. You know, you stop at 9 and you go, okay, that was my, I'm, I'm done reading for today, and really you should go on to 10. But here's what happens between Matthew 9 and 10. In Matthew 9, Jesus told his disciples, pray for God to send out those workers. You know what happens in Matthew 10? Jesus sent his disciples, and he says, you, 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 go. And he sends them out into all of the villages, all of the surrounding areas, to share the gospel with everybody that they come in contact with, right? That happens right in that moment. So Jesus says, pray the Lord of harvest, which is me. Okay, good. I will answer your request. Go, Uh, (laughs) right? And he sends them out. And so Why? Why does God do that? Why does God thrust his disciples out to be present in the lives of others? Well, first, he He loves you, right? We've already talked about this compassion, this love, this care. He's always had that for you. And the second reason is this. Do you realize that there are people you and I work with there are people you and I go to school with. There are people you and I shop next to. There are, you and, there are people that you and I just run into on the street that are, they are actually ready to say yes to Jesus Christ as their forgiver and their leader. The only reason they haven't yet is nobody's asked them. Seriously. That's the only reason they haven't said yes yet. There are people who are ready to say yes, they just haven't been asked. And so uh, about a month ago, a group of us from here at Lighthouse, we went out into the city of Finley to pray with people and see if God would give us an opportunity to share the gospel with anybody. And so I got paired up with my good buddy, Kevin Lamb, and we went to the University of Finley together. And we're just walking the, uh, the campus, and we met a guy by the name of Jordan. And so we got to pray with Jordan, and I shared the gospel with him using a tool called the Three Circles. I can't explain it this morning, but it's just one way that you can share the gospel. And so I walked him through the drawing, and I got to the end, and I said, hey, where would you see yourself in your life today? Are you in this place of brokenness, or are you in a relationship with God? And Jordan was kind of like noncommittal. He kind of pointed at the picture like this, (laughs) you know, I think I'm here. And uh, so I'm getting ready to ask Jordan this next question to kind of continue the conversation. And uh, all of a sudden, I heard Kevin's voice. And Kevin asked Jordan, have you ever been saved? (laughs) And I'm like, Kevin, you can't, you can't be that forthright, right? I'm like, this is what's going on in my mind. I'm not saying it because it's already weird now. And so i like, in my mind, you, you can't, that's, that's way too, like, upfront. You can't just ask people, especially somebody you know, have you ever been saved, right? All this is going on in my mind, and I'm figuring out how do, how do we course correct and get this thing around, and, and Jordan's kind of, his posture's changed a little bit, and Jordan says no. And I'm going, okay, all right, uh, how do we pivot? And then all of a sudden, I hear Kevin say, well, do you want to be saved, And I'm like, what? Kevin, what is going on here? And then Jordan goes, yes. And I'd like to do that right now. So I take my little drawing, rip that thing up, throw it away, and walk away, you know, because obviously God is using Kevin in a remarkable moment in this time. And I witnessed Kevin lead Jordan in one of the most thoughtful prayers of faith and repentance. I've ever witnessed, and Kevin and I got to welcome in a new brother into the family of God, right? Like, isn't that good? Like, that's what God does is he sends his workers into his Field, right? And so, what's been really cool is since that moment, Jordan and I have been able to meet a few times, and uh, we're discovering that our stories are somewhat similar to one another, and God is using that to connect us and to grow each other uh, in knowing who Christ is. And so, there are people in our communities who are ready. To say yes to Jesus Christ, they are simply waiting for somebody to ask. They might not even know that that's what they're ready to do, but they're waiting for the invitation. So look what happens when we get close. Look what happens when we get present. And so, listen, going out to pray with people at the University of finley that's, that's just one way. I'm not saying that's the way to share the gospel. That's a way to share the gospel. But there's lots of other ways to be present in the lives of, of other people, right? It can be a conversation with your neighbor, right? Just talking to them. Maybe it's introducing yourself for the very first time and going, hey, I know we've lived to each other for years and I've never said hi. I'm sorry about that. I'm Fritz. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, it could be an invitation to some kind of palooza that could be happening in the near future. I don't know. Uh, listen, but here's what I do know. We've actually seen people come to faith because a friend invited them to a small group. And God used discussion around Scripture and prayer to lead them to faith. We have seen people come to faith through our online campus. So a few months ago, we got to baptize two young women who were a part of our online campus in Atlanta, Georgia, and said yes to Jesus Christ. Traveled home to Pennsylvania, and then made their way over here so that they could be disciple or they could be baptized right here in this family. Right, like there are all kinds of people who are ready to say yes. It just takes work or God's workers. To go into God's fields and talk to them guys the harvest is plentiful you can't miss that and so here's an idea what if you and I started looking for opportunities to be present that's actually a next step that's on the back of your connection card right back there and so uh, like think about how can I be present with people how can I be present in the moment how can I be present in people's lives listen Hancock County The the surrounding region cannot afford to have absent shepherds. Like, it it just can't, right? Like, Hancock County needs disciples who are present, disciples who are close, disciples who are filled with compassion to share the gospel. And so how can you and I be present in the lives of other people? And here's another idea, one more idea. All of us know people in our lives, people who are far from Jesus, they haven't said yes to him yet. And so here's another idea. What if on the back of your connection card, uh, maybe you just find an open space or on the prayer request section and comment section at the bottom. What if this week, today, right now, you wrote the first name of someone you know who hasn't said yes to Jesus, making the commitment that you're going to pray for them. You're going to pray for God to send his disciples to get into their pathway to connect with them, to build build friendships with, to pray with them, to maybe even ask them, have you ever been saved and do you wanna be, (laughs) right? Something as simple as that. Um, And if you write that, then here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna get those names and we're gonna pray with you. We're gonna agree with you in prayer for God to move in the hearts and the minds and of disciples around who will get in the pathways of the people that you and I love. And so you might write that on your connection card before you leave this morning. Or if you're joining us online, you could type that in the prayer section um, on your connection card, and we'll be praying with you uh, for that person. But that's a simple step that we can all take this morning. It's very tempting to look at Hancock County and think, well... This is actually a pretty good county. Unemployment's low. Salaries are relatively high. Crime isn't that big of an issue. Um, right? Schools are good. Right? And so, like, look at our county and, like, it's everything's okay. And, and all of that is may be true, and yet you and I both know that we are living among a people who are harassed and who are helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know that. And I know that. Right, Like we're living among, we're living with people who are wrestling against substance abuse, who are wrestling against addiction to pornography or addiction to greed. They're deeply affected by the abandonment that's happened in their life. We've got, we've got homelessness and poverty taking place right in our backyard. And if we're not careful, it's really easy to look at those situations and simply put the blame on them. Well, if they were better people, well, if they made better decisions, well, all they need to do is insert whatever it is that they need to do. It's very easy to put the blame on them and it's very tempting that to forget, to forget that without Jesus, I would be right there with them, probably leading the way. And to remember that with Jesus, I should be right there with them, leading the way to Jesus, pointing to hope in Christ alone. Because people without a shepherd need a shepherd. People need Jesus. And so, disciples, you are God's plan for sharing the gospel. You are his plan. I'm his plan. There's no backup. (laughs) Nobody comes in behind us. It's the Holy Spirit in us using us. And so, what's amazing is when we get close to the brokenness, you know what begins to melt away? Judgment begins to melt away. Condemnation begins to melt away. Because you can't judge and you can't condemn somebody that you actually love. You know who you condemn and you judge? Those people way over there that I don't even know their name and I don't even know what they're going through. But when you get close, that stuff just goes away. And what pops up in the place of judgment and condemnation? You know what it is? Mercy, compassion, bowels of mercy show up in your life, right? And God uses that. And so don't resist it. Don't resist getting close to others, especially people who are different from you right? Like, don't resist the compassion that God desires to grow in you. Remember that God drew close to you. And so get into the lives of others, even if it's messy, even when it gets messy. Because Jesus drew close to my mess. Jesus drew close to your mess. I've had people who have drawn close to my mess, right? All of that. And so now by faith, you and I can draw close to others, and share the gospel with compassion. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We we close every teaching with this question. and simply this, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want to give you an opportunity to listen to what he may be saying to you. We want to pray for you. God does amazing things when we pray together, and so what's going to happen is we're we're going to sing one more song, and during this last song, uh, we're going to have prayer leaders who are going to be in every corner of the room. We'll have two in the front, two in the back. They're making their way there actually right now, and they're available to pray with you about any area of your life at all. It can be about something we've talked about today. It could be about something completely else in your uh in your family relationships in school um in your business it could be anything um but this is a great opportunity to draw close um, to other believers to draw close to the lord through prayer um and to lean in on him and so you never you never ever have to be embarrassed to want to receive prayer right don't please don't ever let embarrassment keep you away from prayer because every one of us need prayer without a doubt. And so uh, here's what will happen if you come forward to receive prayer and you're like, well, what will people think if I go forward to ask for prayer? What will they think? I'll tell you what we will think. That person wants to pray. And that's it. And that's even if they notice you because they're likely going to be worshiping the Lord um, as you walk towards the front. And if there's somebody already with a prayer person, just you can go up there, uh, get in line or find another one in the corner and go to them. It's all okay. But we just want to pray together with you and for you. And so let me pray for you. And if you'd like to receive prayer, I'm going to invite you to come as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now in Jesus' name.